The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. First show of the last month of the FY. Uh, I'm here with Larry Allen today. Larry, welcome back, man. Mark, thanks. It's always a pleasure to be here. It's great to be here in September with 30 or 28 days to count down to the end of the year. And it's always an exciting time to be in federal. Indeed. And we'll be talking about end of FY in just a minute. But uh, you have a new gig, man. Um, so Alan Federal is uh, is absorbed by... Alan Federal has been absorbed by BDO, big top five accounting firm, Mark. I've been over there now for not quite two months. And I'm running their brand-new federal market access practice. This is a practice they set up to augment the services that BDO is already providing in the federal space. They do a lot of VA schedule and GSA schedule contracting. As you might imagine, for an accounting firm, they do an awful lot of compliance work as well. My job is to work with their existing clients and new companies to grow their federal business. Maybe they're a new market entry, so they need a, a business plan on how to get started in the business. But also always, since I'm doing it, Mark, with an eye towards compliance, with an eye towards the contracting piece, and how do they do those contracts and how do they uh, grow their business with a way that's sustainable so that the government writes them checks and they don't have to write checks back to the government. Cool. Well, if if you need help on LinkedIn for your clients, let me know. But I don't want to be absorbed. Um, I, I'm I'm not digestible. <laughs> I think most people know that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about end of FY here. Here we are again, Larry. Here we are again, and this FY mark is going to be, I think, at least as busy, uh, if not more so, than uh, some of the previous years. We've got various estimates, one from Bloomberg government that said that agencies could spend as much as $17 billion on IT in the last month. And they get pretty granular with that, too. So. They do. In fact, they get right down to the last two weeks and the last week of what the spend is. The bottom line up front is don't turn off your phones until maybe October 2nd or so just to make sure that it's no longer September 30th anywhere in the world. Really? Um, so, but, you know, they, they break it down by agency, uh, you know, defense, civilian, and civilian, all civilians. But the, the you know, a couple of things caught my, my attention. Number one, we're, we're heavy and up because of the shutdown. That's exactly right. And, Mark, I've talked to some of my colleagues in the agencies that were shut down earlier this year, and they told me, Larry, we've never had a chance to catch up. The, the shutdown lasted, Mark, for about 32, 33 days, and even though uh, – and the impact was even longer because there was everything that didn't get done, and they've just never been able to uh, get ahead of the curve. So these are agencies that are going to obligate a significant amount of money, even more so on a proportional basis than they otherwise would at this time of year just because they have that much work left to do. Uh, it's going to be tricky for newer market entries to go in and have discussions with those buyers because they're very, very busy trying to work on things. So this is where 
relationships count, whether they're your relationships or relationships that your company might have with a partner. Yeah. And, you know, one of the interesting stats from my point of view is that uh, uh, Bloomberg mm-hmm. says that we're going to have a, a, an overall spend on IT of about 61 and uh, 17 of which will be – these are billions we're talking about. <laughs> but uh, that's 26 percent plus of the IT spend for the year in a 30-day spend. It's an awful amount of time, and there are all kinds of reasons for it. Uh, we talked a little bit about the shutdown, but some of it also is it takes a while for projects to make their way through the gauntlet of hurdles inside federal agencies. It takes a while for people who kind of have an idea what they want to get to actually put together an acquisition strategy. Uh, so now we're, we're up against it. The thing that is going to be important for contractors to know is how do you move quickly at the speed of your customer's need, whether that's using an IDIQ contract or making a micro-purchase or working with a small business that has a set-aside capability. It's going to be not just what you're selling, Mark, but how you're selling it and how quickly can that transaction be done with the customer. Yeah. And, you know, just a couple of stats from from the Bloomberg uh, piece that uh, uh, you and I get because we get Bloomberg. <laughs> right. Um, $8.3 billion Pentagon spend on IT, $8.9 billion uh, from civilian agencies. And, again, the cool thing about the civilian agency thing is it, it runs down all of the agencies uh, down to, you know, National Science Foundation and SBA, um, which don't have – Huge budgets. They don't have huge budgets, but one of the things I've noted lately in the research I've been doing, Mark, is they have dedicated contractors. I was looking the other day at a company that uh, is doing some – they do business with the Department of Homeland Security. Everybody does a little DOD business, but this company did a lot of its business with the National Science Foundation. I'm like, okay, so – you know, just because it's not one of the big three-letter agencies doesn't mean that there isn't good hunting there. Uh, there can be if you've got a good relationship and you uh, develop some uh, expertise working with that specific group of customers over time. It's nice to have a cornerstone account, even if the cornerstone's <laughs> a little on the small side. But, hell, you know, if you're a small business, that would be wonderful work. No question. So, um, so and uh, – um, they they break it down also by contract. So Bloomberg points out that uh, the the GWACs are going to be major recipients of this. And gee, what a surprise! Soup heads the list. Soup heads the list. And Joanne Wojtek, who you and I both know, the program manager at Soup, has already said that the Soup office is now open on Saturdays for the rest of the month. And uh, they're going to be there and be as flexible as they can for customers who want to use the soup vehicle at end of year. Uh, it's a good vehicle for product-based IT, and since it's an IDIQ that's based on products, Mark, there are a lot of things that can be done there very quickly. You can even get new products added to soup traditionally very easily. So if you're a contractor and you've got 98% of your solution on soup, as long as it's a product, you might be able to get the other 2% on within a day or so. And soup is very popular. Uh, and uh, NASA, the soup management office, uh, takes strides to make sure that everybody knows that they're very customer-friendly and contractor-friendly. Yeah, and and I think that accounts for uh, 
you know, any survey done on GWAC soup always comes out number one. But just just to be fair here, uh, Schedule 70 is number two, then Alliant, then CIOSP3, uh, the uh, T4NG, 8A, 8A Stars pops, man. 8A Stars, Mark, is a contract that's been around, as you know, for an awfully long time, but it's one that's making a little bit more of a splash right now. I'm hearing about 8A Stars as an acquisition strategy more now than any time in the last five years. Four and, million dollar no compete bids. Or, and, uh, right, yeah. and, and small business credit. So the word's starting to get out, and uh, it's becoming the, an upward trending contract vehicle. It, it really is. But after that, we have the CIO SP3 small and Alliance small and C4D, which has hundreds of smalls. One wonders how much Alliant SB would be doing if GSA had been able to get the new SB contracts in place by now uh, with uh, new contractors and a host of new offerings. They, that's been kind of a, a problem area for GSA this past year. Uh, it's nice to see that Alliant SB is doing well as it is, but I would have expected those numbers to be higher at the beginning of this year, Mark, and I think GSA would have as well. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, you've sold, uh, GSA certainly has its stalwart in the schedules program. And you know, one of the things I'm seeing, it's not so much for year-end, but on an overall basis is agencies canceling their follow-on IDIQs in favor of setting up a series of blanket purchase agreements against the schedule way to lower acquisition overhead. Uh, OMB is in favor of that for category management purposes. So uh, overall, that's a bump up for the schedules program. Yeah. Um, rounding out the uh, the Bloomberg list is is TIPS 4 and ITES 2S. Um, but, you know, it, it, it closes by saying soup will be the top destination for IT contract spending. But FCW uh, actually touches base with uh, uh, Joanne, and she brought up the uh, the possible impact of of the uh, SmartPay card. Well, certainly, this is going to be something uh, that uh, continues to take a larger share of government spend. I think Mark uh, purchase cards you know, have been around since well at least nineteen ninety, uh, but. With all of the emphasis now on e-marketplace programs, whether it's the one that GSA is working on, you know, they have a pilot that they want to get up and running as close to the end of the calendar year as they can. Uh, other agencies have their own individual agency pilots with an e-marketplace provider. Uh, you talk to acquisition officials, Mark, and some of them are cognizant of the fact that there is light, uh, likely a lot of product-based IT spend going through the micro-purchase, uh, micro-purchase level of $10,000, almost all of it with purchase cards. Uh, but you talk to other acquisition professionals, and they're adamant, oh, no, everybody uses the preferred vehicle for us. Uh, my suspicion is that they're not really capturing everything. I think that there's reason to believe that there's a good amount of micro-purchase business going on, particularly if you see – the DOD IG report that came out a couple of months ago where DOD is buying non-authorized IT. They didn't really speak to the acquisition method there, but you can find commercial items on those open market, e-marketplace uh, platforms, Mark, that uh, you're not really sure if you if the government's supposed to be getting them and, and they just buy them with the purchase card because they're low price and they have identifiable commercial brand names. just happens that DOD's not supposed to be buying them. 
Well, there, there, there is that. Uh, um, we're going to take a break. We're going to wrap up on End of FY right after this. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Larry and I shall return after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here with Larry Allen. You uh, say Larry of uh, AllenFederal.com, but now Larry of BDO. So, uh, his company website is now bdousallp.com, but find Larry on uh, on LinkedIn, much easier that way. Um, but I'm assuming there's a federal market access page on the BDO website. There is a federal market access page, and for people who just don't get enough of my picture, there's a picture of me up there too. Please don't let that scare you off. And, and there'll be a picture of you on the, the radio website when we post this show. Um, so, um, you know, it, uh, the FCW article also goes, goes into the, uh, the NITAX and the VETS2 uh, uh, contracts, which uh, Bloomberg really doesn't touch on VETS2 or CIOCS. They mention SP3 but not CS. Um, but one, one of the things uh, that the FC Mark, Rock, Mark Rockwell's article, uh, I like reading his stuff, um, he he uh, he points out that you know there's going to be extended hours at these. You and I both know that vendors have extended hours at end of FY, and we both have probably uh, you know twenty stock stories that we can pull <laughs> for that you know eleven fifty nine last time zone call. If you're not the person who uh, responded back uh, in the days of faxes. With an offer at eleven fifty nine and fifty nine seconds, you lost the business to the person who did send it in. Even though your latest transmission may have been at eleven fifty nine and thirty seconds, that's literally how much uh, competition goes on for some of these orders here at the end of the FY. And more than one government buyer has told both you and I, Mark, that the reason they went with a particular vendor at the end of the year is because that vendor was there to answer the phone. Exactly. So five, it's 5 o'clock somewhere, to quote the poet Jimmy Buffett. So make sure that your offices are open appropriately. Remember that uh, though there's a West Coast, there's a Hawaii and Alaska, so it keeps going. The day keeps going when you don't. And you're a contractor, you better have some coverage. And I think that it's always a good idea to have some coverage. Uh, remember, October 1st is a big day, too. It yeah. is for yeah. renewing leases and doing all the other chores. That, yeah, as long as it's not new business, because we'll get right. to that in a few minutes. Right. It's it's not glamorous, but it's good business. And you look at the spending on October 1st, it's, it's higher. And then after October 3rd, well... That's time when you can go to the spa. Yeah. Back in the days of Falcon Microsystems, <laughs> Dendy Young didn't – he was the CEO. He didn't have pizza delivered. He went out and got the pizza and <laughs> took it to the office himself to act as main cheerleader. But my favorite story uh, came – it was either from uh, – I think it was a CDW story. Uh, a friend of mine there said you know, they were bidding uh, for, for like multimillion-dollar laptop gig – uh, with one other vendor, and it finally came back at like eleven fifty eight, and they won. And and my friend asked the contracting officer, says, "What finally did it?" And the the contracting officer said, and "The other guy hung up." <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't price; it was last man standing. Um, 
So, and anything else uh, jump out at you on the uh, on the end of FY spend? Well, I think the, that's a real key thing. We talked about the IDIQs, but I also and I, I think that you can't ignore the micro purchase business if you're a product contractor. Uh, that's certainly on the upswing, and it's not very easily trackable right now. Uh, you also want to make sure that uh, you've got a good small business partner. Um, if you're a large business, small businesses can do set-asides. They can do very quickly. And if you're an agency that hasn't met its small business goal, and I've heard this a couple of times too, we can buy from anybody they want. That we want so long as it's a fill in the socioeconomic blank here. <laughs> that that may account for uh, 8A stars being on the uh, on the list, not too far down actually on that uh, on the Bloomberg list. They were uh, what number six? Um, so cool. CIOSP three small on ramp A day. Finally, some awards, then a few more awards. So we have the dribble effect. Yeah, CIOSP three has always had its devotees, and while a lot of the devotees have been in HHS, it's certainly not exclusive to that agency mark, and. My experience has been that CIO, CS is kind of an up-and-down vehicle depending on – CS or SP3? Well, both of both. them. Okay, yeah. But, uh, but particularly CS because when it gets in the news, it seems to get some business. If things are running the uh, under <clears throat> the radar, then they're doing business with established customers but maybe not anybody new. So uh, – one of the things that I think that is a challenge for NITAC is making sure they keep both of those contract vehicles highly visible. Uh, it's an uh, it's a card in the hand of the contractor who wants to sell, but it may not be the high card in their hand. So uh, you'll have partners who will promote the program, but uh, again, if you're NITAC, you want to make sure that you're out there making your customers aware. This is a very competitive area. CAOCS does have the preferred status that SUP has in terms of uh, for IT and, and printers, uh, IT hardware and printers. Also both best in class. Right, both best in class, but uh, SUP is the generally more visible one, so that's a challenge for, for NITAC. Yeah, yeah, well, um, yes, We'll let it go with that. <laughs> soup, soup has been one of the most visible contracts and deservedly so for, uh, well, since the mid-90s when it was awarded. That's right. So um, I want to wrap up on NITAC, but actually I want to do it at the beginning of the next segment. <laughs> uh, you're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Larry and I shall return right after this. Hi, this is Senior Correspondent Mike Causey. In Washington, we follow the money, especially since it's yours every week on your turn with Mike Causey. Whether it's your pay raise, a major change to your retirement package, or the chances of rifts or buyouts, we're on it because we know how hard you work and what it means to you. Give us a listen Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, or subscribe to your turn on iTunes or Podcast One. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here with Larry Allen. Larry now with BDO, um, uh, which accounting firm, right? Yeah, that's right. You said that earlier. Um, so here, here's the wrap up on NITAC 
and it's not hard news, but it's a rumor that both of us have heard for a while. And that rumor is that both HHS and especially NIH consider NITAC to be a wart that they would like to get rid of. Right. NITAC is the big contracting, IT contracting organization that's part of NIH. Uh, Mark, and now your listeners know that as well. It's been historically very successful, sometimes very successful indeed in terms of driving business to its contracts. But when you look at some of the leaders in acquisition, you have GSA and that's their job. You have DOD, that a lot of acquisition is their job. Uh, and then you have HHS with this big uh, IT product and service. Three, three GWAC contracts right. under one roof. And you kind of wonder, well, what's is that really a core competency of the National Institutes of Health? And I think those are questions that are being asked internally as well. Now, I think it's but worth- ECS, which was the first vehicle, electronic computer store, mm-hmm. is 20 years old. Right. And we've had a lot of change in leadership, and that's one of the things I was going to say. Uh, the former acquisition head at HHS, Jose Ariata, is now the CIO. There's a new acquisition chief in place uh, just for maybe not even three months, Mark. What uh, this person wants to do with NITAC, I don't know. I haven't spoken with him. Uh, Jose was always more of a visionary, thinking more along IT lines and uh, we're not really so prescriptive or that detail-oriented on the on the acquisition part of it, so it's no surprise that he's over being an innovative CIO. But it does beg the question about what NIH and HHS as the cabinet-level agency wants to do with this contracting arm. You know, we've seen the administration go out and talk about OPM being merged in with GSA, and of course that's gotten a lot of pushback on Capitol Hill, but... Uh, it wouldn't be a huge stretch to see that if uh, HHS decided that NITAC and its contracting arm were better homed, better housed in another agency like a GSA, that that could get OMB support. Any idea if Joanne wants to adopt it? <laughs> <laughs> I think not. Joanne, for among other reasons, has steadfastly stayed away from anything having to do with uh, services acquisition. Yeah. Well, she's proven to be top-notch when it comes to IT products, so we'll we'll leave her alone. Right. Um, So uh, if anybody's heard anything about uh, NIH uh, and NITAC, uh, please let me know. Uh, Drop me a line, markhamtower at gmail.com. I'm I'm interested, and I I don't reveal my sources. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right, so let's migrate on. Another article from Mark Rockwell of Federal Computer Week. Uh, the, the GSA IG opining on the uh, transactional data reporting program. Um, what gives? Mark, not a huge surprise. GSA uh, recently elected to extend the TDR program for at least another year as part of their schedules consolidation effort, that's not really a huge surprise either. They've just basically kicked the can down the road until they have time to look at TDR on its own merits after they do a lot of the consolidation work. In the meantime, we have this IG report that came out, and it's no, no surprise at all. The IG at GSA can't get away from the price reductions clause. 
And, of course, in, in the TDR world, in the schedules, one of the two triggers, the basis of award trigger for the <coughs> price reductions clause, goes away. Because you're not, as a contractor, submitting, supposedly anyway, commercial sales information to the government. So there's no basis of award customer for you to track. Um, that's an innovative way to do things. I have my issues with TDR. You and I have previously discussed them on the show. Oh, yeah. But uh, there are – We can do it again if yeah, you want. Be, yeah, right. <laughs> the bottom line is there are a number of contractors that have elected to go to TDR precisely because they believe that it's easier uh, to comply with uh, the price reduction requirements. Uh, the IG's uh, adherence and insistence on having a price reductions clause kind of strikes me, Mark, as a regulatory community insisting that there still be hand cranks on the front of automobiles. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, look, we've moved way past that time. Price reductions clause is a crystal clear top line anachronism example in the federal market. Uh, when you have 21st century data, when you have instantaneous access to pricing information commercially and increasingly at the federal level, uh, the price reductions clause serves largely just as a gotcha mechanism uh, for uh, whistleblowers and for IGs who want to point out that you know companies you know, did something that they weren't supposed to do. Well, you know maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But and then the IG says, well, all these companies settled. Well, yeah, I'd settle too if the difference was between I get to settle for a half a million dollars today or I get to spend a half a million dollars over the next three months just in legal fees. It's a half million bucks to me either way. I'm out and. Uh, I'm not sure that that victory can really be called a victory, but you know the IG claims it is. So the bottom line for the IG report is it's no real surprise, but the, it is a surprise because in some ways, because presumably the IG lives in the same 21st century technology environment we do and has access to some of the same tools, and they probably use them in their own lives that we use to get uh, instant pricing and they don't require a price reductions clause when they go out and do their own business. Okay. Um, there's one other GSA uh, issue that's uh, that's coming down the pike, and it's going to drop like a big load of something October <laughs> 1, and that is the schedule consolidation. Schedules consolidation, <clears throat> that's right. GSA put out an advance notice uh, recently that they do expect to meet their October 1st uh, goal for issuing a consolidated schedule solicitation. This is going to be a one-size-fits-all solicitation for uh, across the schedules program. It's part of their effort to consolidate all the contracts down from 24 to 1. Uh, the first phase is going to be putting this consolidated schedule out. And I think this is very well-intentioned, Mark. Uh, I think that uh, GSA has certainly done an excellent job of talking to industry about it. Uh, I'm hopeful that it'll work out, but I definitely think there are going to be some bumps in the road. If you're a contractor who uh, is contemplating a new offer, you my recommendation would be to get that offer in now under the existing solicitation. After October 1st, it's going to be that much more difficult to negotiate any special terms and conditions, any one-offs that your company might feel are important to it in terms of being able to manage your schedule contract. I've seen very nuanced, very specially worded price reduction clause triggers. I've seen 
uh, specialized economic price adjustment clauses, uh, you name it. Uh, if a company, if it's important to a company, Mark, they've found a way or tried to find a way to negotiate a workaround so that they can have a scheduled contract but not have their compliance costs go through the roof. I think one of the short-term consequences of a standalone consolidated solicitation is GSA contracting officers saying, this is the way it is from here on, and we're not going to be so willing to negotiate uh, specialized terms for you, Mr. Contractor or Ms. Contractor. Uh, And that could uh, end up discouraging people, at least in the short term, from getting a contract. Um. Uh, curiouser and curiouser. And having said that, I think I'm, a, I'm generally a fan of the consolidation effort. Another concern that I have, though, is GSA traditionally, and in this case specifically, has done a great job, as I mentioned, of talking to industry. How much they've been able to match that effort with talking with COs and CSs inside GSA is another matter. Uh, and that's one of the things that I'm a little concerned about is if you're going to be doing training to your acquisition workforce on how this consolidated schedule is going to work and your solicitation is going out October 1st, my guess is you're not getting a lot of COs and CSs in training this month, <laughs> last month of the year, yeah. uh, to <clears throat> understand exactly what uh, the new program is and how it's going to work. So... Um, my recommendation to GSA is to make sure they match their external efforts with their internal efforts. Right. And if, if, you, if you want more information on this, the GSA website has a fair amount of information and they have um, a fact page exclusively on this uh, and, and on the, uh, the mass blogger part, uh, multiple word schedule blogger. Uh, is where I downloaded the the report that we're playing with here. For GSA Interact, which is a good uh, place to get information from the agency. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Larry and I will wrap up right after this. I'm Gigi Shum, host of Women of Washington. My show highlights the women executives of the Washington, D.C. area, how they began and how they built their career through the decades. These women are the groundbreakers and the trailblazers in their fields. They share their stories with me so the next generation executive can learn from them. Tune in Wednesday afternoons at 1 on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, or subscribe to Women of Washington on iTunes or Podcast One. Welcome back to Tower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Uh, I am Mark Amtower. I'm here with Larry Allen of BDO, formerly uh, uh, Larry Allen of Allen Federal, now with BDO. Um, and again, uh, the, the website for them is BDOUSALLP.com. And uh, <clears throat> that's where Larry hangs his hat. So we're going to wrap up on, on two things, the first of which is Jedi. Jedi. Jedi Mark is the much-anticipated but not here yet DOD cloud acquisition. And it's currently mired with in the courts. Uh, Oracle, unsuccessful offer originally, keeps going back to different federal uh, judicial venues. I believe now they're going to the appellate court. 
They've been to claims court. Judge uh, Judy. Right, right. And who knows? Uh, they could end up with a notorious R- RBG. You never know where this could end up. There you go. Uh, but uh, they've got the court challenges, and then they also have at least one uh, DOD IG review going on right now uh, uh, where the allegation is that one of the bidders had an inside track and maybe uh, – uh, engaged in inappropriate hiring practices that gave them an unfair advantage in this acquisition. Uh, so it's a, um, it's a mess. Uh, that's a good acquisition term for it. I'm not sure you'll find that anywhere in the federal acquisition regulations, Mark. But, or any of the other descriptions we could use. But, right. But I think we were talking about Jedi <clears throat> probably just about a year ago saying, well, you know, it's mired in all these legal challenges. Here we are a year later. It's still mired in all these legal challenges. And, you know, the interesting thing is we talked at the beginning of this show about just how much federal IT year-end spend was getting done. And a lot of that's going to be for the cloud. In fact, some of the research I did suggests that DOD is going to buy $3 billion or more via the cloud and cloud solutions this year. And that's on top of the – You can call your Bloomberg rep, rep and figure out which agencies are doing it. Too. That's <laughs> right. That is that that is the tool that I used. Uh, and they're also going to – that would be on top of the nearly $2.5 billion they spent last year on cloud. So what that tells me is, look, they're not waiting around. DoD buyers aren't waiting around for Jedi to be awarded before they buy cloud solutions. In fact, DISA just awarded its – this a DOS, D-E-O-S contract for some level of cloud functionality. I think it's more specific than the JEDI contract would be. But DOS at its heart is provides cloud-based applications and software. Uh, that contract started out after JEDI. It's now been awarded ahead of JEDI. Uh, whether or not it sees any business at the end of this year depends on how quickly anybody gets their authority to operate. I think Soup 7 will have more traction <laughs> than uh, JEDI. But. Right. Well, I think that that's you – know, so if you're a DOD customer and you've got a cloud need, there are plenty of ways for you to get cloud solutions now, plenty of ways to get them from even the bidders, both successful and unsuccessful, who are mentioned in the arena of likely award winners – for Jedi, uh, these are existing contractors with right. existing partners and existing ways to sell their solutions to you. Uh, I'm not sure that um, Jedi is ever uh, going to be the contract that people thought it was going to be. If I were if I were advising uh, the DoD CIO, I might tell him, you know, if you haven't gotten everything resolved right after the holidays, right into the new calendar year, you know, you might want to. Uh, kiss the force goodbye and chalk that up to the the line of characters that you tried but failed, kind of like Jar Jar Binks, and move on to another acquisition strategy. Um, yeah, uh, I, this this one is just uh, it's it's fun to watch from the sidelines. <laughs> it and, is, and, it is. It's yeah. fun to watch the tenacity of Oracle, um, but it, in the meantime. Uh, if people are waiting around expecting to get stuff through Jedi, don't do that. There's going to be a lot of year-end spend on cloud. Make sure you're in on part of it. Well, speaking of that year-end thing, <laughs> on October 1, we are going to face pretty much guaranteed yet another 
Continuing resolution. Sorry about the dramatic pauses. I thought I'd draw that out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's exactly right, Mark. We have a situation which is kind of unique, where the House has passed all of its appropriations measures, but the Senate, uh, as of uh, the end of August, hadn't even passed one out of subcommittee. So they have a lot of work to do in a very short period of time. And while they're back as of today, when we're taping this, um, that's not enough time for them to get all these things done. They're going to be taking time off in the middle of September, as they always do for the Jewish high holidays. Uh, We're going to start the year with a continuing resolution. The only real question is, how long is the CR going to last? And my prediction is it's going to last at least until the end of the calendar year. Okay. Uh, and the only reason I don't think it may last longer is because this year, Mark, is not a congressional election year. Uh, so there's no real can to kick to. You can't kick it to a new Congress in February because there's going to be one. It's still going to be the people that you're working with today. Uh, I hate but, when that happens. But the other thing that's noteworthy about the CR we're going to end up with at the beginning of FY20 is that it's going to be for the entire government. In the last couple of years, we've had CRs for most of the government, but certain agencies, particularly DOD and DHS, have had their appropriations, if not on October 1st, then pretty close to it. Yep. That doesn't look to be the case this year. So DOD and DHS, along with everybody else, including the Department of Veterans Affairs, which has been another carve-out historically, they're all looking right down the barrel of starting the first three months of the fiscal year under a continuing resolution. Well, at least it's not uh, a shutdown. We, we aren't anticipating that at all, finally. Uh, but it'll still push a lot of stuff back to that last quarter of the year. It does. I mean, what CRs mean is that uh, no new starts with appropriated dollars. So if your project or your client's project is going to be funded by new appropriated dollars – you can't start that until they get those final appropriations, and that might not be for a couple of months. I've always tried to get companies to say to their clients, why don't we just launch a pilot now? Therefore, it would qualify as existing in the new, next fiscal year, and we could try to find some funding for it. I'm not sure how successful that is, but uh, it certainly never hurts to ask, Mark. No. And, and better than to try and start slowly now than to sit around and wait for a project launch until January or February. Yeah, and, you know, the the, uh, the contracting officers, I would hope, would be receptive to something like that. It'd certainly lighten their load. Right, right. And you, right, you can do a little bit now but uh, of work now, but you're going to be saving yourself a lot of work this time next year. Yep. Final thought? Uh, my final thought, Mark, is that um, – There is such a thing as bad business here at the end of the fiscal year. If you've never heard of the would-be partner on the phone or on the email, uh, if somebody gives you a piece of business that seems too good to be true, it probably is. Don't get distracted by what-ifs and pixie fairies. Stay dedicated to your pipeline and the partners and customers you know. And remember that building that pipeline is year-round, not last quarter. Larry, thanks for coming in, man. Greatly appreciated. Mark, always a pleasure. This is not my day job. I advise companies on all aspects of marketing to the government. But over the last couple of years, I've focused in on social selling, particularly LinkedIn. Uh, There's 2.2 million feds on LinkedIn. Let me say that again, 2.2 
1.2 million feds on LinkedIn, which means pretty much the entire contracting community is there. If you are not presenting yourself well to those 2.0 million feds and to your potential partners in the contracting universe, you're losing business. Give me a call. Drop me a line at markamtower at gmail.com. And thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. There are a million reasons e-commerce shoppers don't buy. In fact, 97% abandon their first store visit. AdRoll retargeting keeps your brand on their mind, so they come back to buy. Visit AdRoll.com to start retargeting today.